So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection with your hosts, Rico Shields and Jean Victoria Norlock. Bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this Thursday edition of Everyday Connection. I'm Rico Shields, and just here to my left, 1,627 air miles, Jane Victoria <laughs> Norlock. How are you, Jane? I'm doing good, Rick. How are you? Good. I have to say the distance every once in a while again, because we talked about it for months, and then now that I know, we said it once, and it's over. And that's, I don't know. Well, it's not usually the way with yeah, life. it is. You know, you know, been dying I mean, to get the new car or whatever, and it really makes you happy for about a week, and you know, yeah, stuff. It's think about kids with new toys, and we comment about kids with new toys often as adults, but we do it ourselves as adults. We get the new shiny thing, and we celebrate it ecstatically for sometimes even twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, and then it's there, and it's just there. And one of my favorite Jerry and Esther uh, little bits that they did was uh, Esther used to tell Jerry from time to time, "Why don't you buy me that car? That would make me really happy for the afternoon." <laughs> Which was her way of saying, "Don't buy it," but you know, it's, it's, would it's make so me true, really though. happy for Isn't the afternoon. It? It's like you're just dying to get on vacation so you can lay on the beach and do nothing, and by lunch the first day you're looking for something to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's very true. So I don't know what all's been going on since we last talked. It hasn't been that long since Stacy was here on Tuesday. Um, 12-year-old app developer. The kids are just going nuts. And uh, Well, that's to be expected. And they did now. The generation of geniuses. Uh, Chancellor Merkel, she's not a prime minister. I think it's Chancellor, but anyway, uh, Merkel. It's in charge over there. Angela Merkel, that's in charge over in Germany, um, opened yesterday the uh, a memorial in Berlin for the Roma, uh, more commonly known to some people as gypsies. Uh, there were a tremendous number of Roma. Uh, five to seven hundred thousand of them, or something like that, that were amongst the Holocaust victims, but they're rarely talked about, and they haven't had any memorials or recognition, or uh, and uh, it took a lot of. They started twenty years ago. It took a lot of you know backbiting and infighting, but they finally got it open yesterday, and uh, uh, fellow that was a kid and was saved from the train by a policeman who grabbed him and pulled him back at the last minute because he was a little kid. 
uh, that survived. His daughter laid the first flower uh, at the uh, memorial. So I was pleased to see that, you know. Well, Poor Roma. Indeed, very cool. They, they all you ever, all ever see in the news is how some countries throwing the Roma out or arresting them or you know, you people aren't supposed to be here. Because in Europe, often they don't do immigration; they just go where they want to go. And I why, should, why shouldn't gypsy. they? Yeah, why shouldn't they? <laughs> you know? uh, it's in the blood. Would you tell a Viking not to sail? Yeah, well, no, not, not if you wanted any cooperation, anyway. But uh, okay, of course we talk about you know I say the press is always mentioning how some countries persecuting and running them off or um, and you know the media, particularly the big corporate media machine, it you know it leaves a little to be desired, uh, and that leads us to our next news item. Which, by the way, is a news item that doesn't make me feel so bad about not pursuing um, my career in journalism. Because now it seems that my argument may, in fact, be valid, especially when agreement to such argument is coming from such a high status. Right. Because uh, the BBC reported yesterday, uh, I think they did the day before, but I didn't get around to posting it till yesterday because, I, I don't know, it was the right time. Um, Superman, you know, his uh, mild-mannered reporter with glasses, Clark Kent, that works at the Daily Planet newspaper, reporter, for, what, 40 years now or something, and is still the cover reporter in his 20s. It's the fun and, part and about it. And certainly the, the, the most well-known reporter in the world. Just about. Just about. I would think so. Is um, going to resign. In fact, he's not just going to resign as star reporter at the Daily Planet. He's going to walk out and protest. He's protesting that hard news has given way to too many soft entertainment stories prompted by the Daily Planet's takeover by a media conglomerate. Wow. I mean, does that does that mean Superman's going to occupy the Daily Planet? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Occupy the Daily Planet. Yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's amazing. I'll, uh, I'll even put a link up in the in the uh, chat for that it. It really is. That's, what a way to end a 40-year 40 40 year long career. Yeah. And, um, Insane. I, I, when I first saw the headline, I, the reason I didn't read it right away, I was curious, but I didn't read it right away. I figured, okay, he's been there 40-some-odd years. He's... People have got to realize he's getting older, and he's not getting older because he's Superman. But, you know, Highlander and these other things about immortals, they would go for a while in an identity, and then they would just either disappear, you know, go away somewhere, or fake their death. You know, so they didn't freak people out that they were immortal. And I just assumed that he was retiring or going off to the Crystal Palace, you know, whatever. And uh, I was about halfway through it, and this biggest smile ever was on my face. And I was like, "I got, I got to get a hold of Gene. Oh, we got a show to watch. <laughs> this was late last night, and I was just like, "This is, this is, yeah, 
can't scroll. Well, now, now I'll just protest. I'll, I'll decide. Um, and of all the clean cut, you know, doesn't even jaywalk his alter ego, Clark Kent. He's just very establishment, it seems. And he's gonna. Yes. He's gonna walk. He's gonna walk. He's not gonna fly out or run faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> Uh, or is it a speeding locomotive? I can't remember. Anyways, the point is that, um, all jokes aside, this is a very bold move and an extremely in-your-face, blunt, honest statement on behalf of the writers. I believe so. so there's many people still working in the business that is not any happier with it than we are. So... That's right. And and you know what? Again, my hat's off to those that are in a position where they can take a stand. Um, I mean, not to say that everyday average people can take – of course, we can take a stand through our actions every day. That's, you know, why we encourage people to have that everyday connection. But it is always uplifting and inspiring to see um, somebody who is in the public, like, that has a public face make a statement like that because it, it draws attention to the issue and, and now it can, it can promote discussion and that's exactly, you know, how issues get resolved and how growth happens and how expansion happens. The discussion first has to get promoted yeah, and encouraged. We've, we've never claimed to have a whole lot of answers over here at everyday connection, but we, we inc- strongly encourage lots of questions. On everyone's part. Always lots of questions. And I'm sure that, you know, enough heads get together, the answers are there. So um, this is this is great, bold, again, bold move, but fantastic. Yeah. And um, it should be an interesting conversation over the next little while. Oh, I hope so. And, you know, because we recently talked about Amber Lyon that uh, uh, left Mm -hmm. three-time Emmy award-winning journalist that uh, said – poo on you and left CNN when they told her she had to change her story and because um, she had spent days doing a very heart-wrenching story of how the government in a country we're allies with was suppressing its people and their freedom of speech and their freedom to assemble and and she just she thought it was the all time you know American freedom of speech freedom of information free to assemble Pulitzer gonna win prize story and they said oh yeah no we can't oh no you can't do that there are out we're on their side they're on our side you can't you're making them look bad you got to change that well the funny thing about truth is that it doesn't really have a side i know it just is it just is and so you know it again that's part of growth and expansion that we're we're just going to have to open those discussions in bigger, bolder ways. And it's exciting. It's exciting to see. We're so lucky. We live in awesome times. Awesome times. And, and, and really people focus on the fact that, that these people are now empowered enough to stand up and make these statements instead of focusing on the media is messed up. Focus on the number of people in there that are waking up and saying enough's enough because it's the change. Yeah, absolutely. It's the shift. It's shifting. The shift it has is. hit the fan in some quarters. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
I'm, I, we'll see what happens with DC Comics. We'll see if anybody rains down on their heads and makes them change their mind. But I did note that it was reported in the BBC, again, like most of the news that I get, and was not reported in the major media outlets here in the States that I could see. Uh, so, Which, progress, but more to be made. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll get off of all of that, and we'll, we're going to talk about blended beings and spirit connections, as we always do, and we're going to talk about Machu Picchu. Because it rhymes with what we always do. No. Uh, but we are. We're going to talk about Peru, sacred sites. We're going to talk about some really exciting stuff. Pilgrimages and body work. And reflexology, did you say, Jean? Yes, I believe that was uh, one, of the, one of the multitude um, of skills and experiences listed um, well, that our guest has has. Because our guest is Resonating Miracles. It says right here on our website, she's Resonating Miracles. And uh, Indeed. we have with us tonight Angela Mendato. Welcome, Angela. How are you? I'm, I'm really well, thank you. Thanks Good. for having me on the show. I hope we didn't uh, kill you with our patience test talking about Superman. <laughs> no, I could listen for a long time. Well, hopefully, hopefully you can also talk for a long time because um, you know I, I'm you've had such an adventurous life. But um, before we get too deep into where you've gone and where you're going next, I need to know one thing and one thing only: who the hell are you and what do you do? <laughs> oh wow, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Isn't <clears throat> it? <clears throat> That's we, a great question. We stumbled into that, but apparently, like most of the rest of the stumbling we do, it had a purpose. Yeah, that's a great question. Well, my name is Angela Mandato, and um, I would say if I could describe what it is that I do, I'm more than anything, I just be. I just, um, uh, I radiate a certain vibrational frequency, and um, I'm happy to be participating in life along with everybody else. And while I'm here, I may as well do some good. So, so uh, I focus a lot of my attention on that. I'm a mother and a grandmother, and um, a traveler and a healer and a reverend, and. Uh, those all those roles all pale compared to just um being in essence or resonating miracles you know the name that that I chose to represent what it is that I do and who I am is it really all boils down to that is um offering people the opportunity to see what miracles are available to them through their own essence and um expression of who they were designed to be. And I like that one. That's going to have to go on our top ten answers list, Jane. I be. I, <laughs> I would think so, definitely. I be, I be and I resonate a certain frequency, and I be. I think there's actually only one answer that I can remember topping that, and that was the the only other person who ever said pretty much the same thing, except for they said, I am. Yeah. My answer is, I am, and that's the end of it. <laughs> Who the hell are you and what do you do? Uh, I am. I am. And then 
we kind of waited for a few seconds like we the, the sentence was going to go on and they said no that's it i am <laughs> <laughs> i am and i be that sums up the show and uh everything that everyday connection is about in four words i am i be I that's am awesome I, be. I am i be so i'm i'm curious because I'm just going over some of your experiences. I make it a a habit to not read up on our guests um, because I don't want to overwhelm the discussion and and direct it. But I am curious as to how you got started because it looks like you came into this at a very, very early age. Yeah. um, Actually, my earliest memory is is from before I was born, and um, I rem- it was it felt like jumping off the highest high dive ever, and then being like squeezed down into a material form. And as a baby, I really distinct memories as a baby, just sort of bathing in light and having these awesome conversations with these angelic beings and all kinds of colors and and just this this feeling of just being completely loved and held and adored and and uh I was just, you know, basking in this. And I noticed that as I started to learn how to walk and to learn how to talk, the more I engaged in this world here, the more I would forget and about about the other worlds. And I remember feeling this sense of confusion of like, well, you know, why am I learning new things here when I'm perfectly happy in this other realm. And, you know, but learning things here seemed to be pretty interesting too. And then there was a certain point where my guide said, told me that, okay, it's it's time now. You need to pretty much immerse yourself in this world. You came here to do something and you're just going to have to go through it like every other human being does. And so you're probably not going to see us too much. You know, we'll be around and we'll be here to support you, but you're, you're, it's time for you to focus your attention on learning, you know, all the basics of, you know, what it's like to be on this planet <clears throat> in this world. And I would say of my entire life, that was probably the most devastating moment. And I was, yeah, I was only around one year old and I remember thinking, oh God, I feel like I'm totally abandoned. You know, what is this? And, um, but I thought, okay, I'm just going to move through and just take this next step. Well, my, um, and I think my whole life has been, you know, working to get back to that, to that state, you know, every experience that I've moved towards has been in a direction of, of, uh, being in that state of bliss or that state of enlightenment and that state of oneness and being. And uh, my brother, who was two years young, I'm I'm the oldest of seven, but my brother, who's two years younger than me, I remember watching him learn how to walk. And all of a sudden, I remembered that moment of of where I I had to kind of put my attention here. And I remember just feeling really sad. And I remember saying to him, oh, your friends aren't there with you so much anymore. So, you know, everything has been moving towards just reengaging in that, in that way. And then finding a way to blend those higher realms and that that um, more loving knowing or state of being with this, you know, human experience here. Because it, it's, 
ultimately the purpose is to find that balance because it's not this or that. It's this and that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's been part of what I've been setting about to master is to bring in those higher frequencies but live in this everyday world and have, you know, have experiences here because we came here for this human experience. But I, you know, I struggled oh, with it for a while. <laughs> so, so you know, of, of course, I'm fully all about that. And, you know, the only way I could get to that conclusion was to, was to try a few other things first, to be sure. <laughs> oh, you mean? Yeah, you, it, you mean since you remember your spirit friends when you were young, you surely you had a a charmed life. You've never had a bad day in your life. <laughs> You're one of those light worker people, you know. So everything's lovely, bunnies and rainbows. Yeah, well, if you consider, you know, seventeen years in a cult, you know, as you know, it roses and bunnies, sure. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't do that one. I did. I was in Scientology for a while, though. Uh, close enough. Um, that's a cult. <laughs> and I wasn't just in it either. I was one of those Sea Org people, uniform, everything. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, we all got to do something. Oh, it's a long and winding road. <laughs> right. Right. So I'm curious because, again, like you, you've. Wow, uh, you've been to places I can only dream of so far, which is not to say that I won't get there eventually, but um, you've certainly done things that um, perhaps in another lifetime I might be willing to give the time and the energy to, but certainly not in this lifetime. I, I, you've, you really did remove yourself from normal, everyday um, yeah, I, I really did. American living, I guess. You you didn't just go to a temple once a day and, you know, or 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 sit in your living room and meditate for that matter. You actually immersed yourself into that life for an, an extended period of time. And I'm curious how first of all you came to take that journey and the hardest question of all, how was it for you coming back out and integrating back into North American living? Ah, oh, well, um, you know, going into it was one of those things that I didn't really realize what was happening. Um, I was 17 years old when I met my, my teacher that I studied with for, for 17 years. I left when I was 34 um, I was newly newly married. I had a new baby, and then at age nineteen, I had another child. And at age twenty, um, my husband left at um, at the uh, bequest of my teacher. And what I didn't understand was that uh, you know I started with the thing of just taking a Tai Chi class, which seems like a really nice thing to do, and you know, great to learn to move energy and become centered and balanced. So, you know, I was really fascinated with my teacher because he told a lot of beautiful stories about living in a temple and becoming enlightened. And then one day he said to me, and of course he said a a lot of other things that, of course, you know, looking back, they sound completely ridiculous. But over the course of several years, he would, he seemed to have really, 
really incredible powers of mind reading. I'd go to class and he'd know exactly what I was thinking about and he'd give some um, uh, wise response to what I was thinking about. He seemed to be able to change the weather. He seemed to be able to change people's even bodily functions sometimes. And I was pretty fascinated by him. And he, you know, he had, you know, a wife and nine children. And he seemed to be very, very wise. And he said, well, you know, I have this other, I have this training that's known as hard training because it's not easy. And it's a path towards enlightenment. And I thought, well, that sounds really cool because I've, you know, I, you know, I, I started, my memory started jogging of, you know, being young and wanting that sense of enlightenment and peace. And then one day he said to me, you know, he would say, well, he thought I was somebody really special and that maybe, you know, he obviously was somebody really special, something along the lines of the reincarnation of Jesus Christ or, you know, something really cool like that. And he said, um, you know, maybe if you, uh, he said, maybe someday you could have a child with me. And I didn't have that desire to have a child with him. I just had the desire to be enlightened. And I said, well, I just want to be your student right now. But he didn't like that response. So he kind of kept at it. And he said, well, you know, of course, the the only way that you could have a child with me is if you were enlightened first. And the only way for you to really be enlightened is to do this program with me. So I said, well, I'm all, you know, let's see how it goes. I'd like to do that. And Anyway, meanwhile, he sent my husband away, and my children ended up living at my mother's house for the first part of this. And um, it be- what seemed like a you know a really beautiful path of meditation and working in nature turned into me working two and three jobs at a time, giving him all my money, in addition to doing all the jobs around the place, and then having these you know these training sessions. Uh, I'd be given all kinds of koans that were impossible to solve on the level of the mind, but I had to be at a certain state of understanding to make any kind of sense of it. And um, so it, it became this process of me, who I was, just completely dissolving, where everything that he just completely took over my life. I was doing a thousand bows a day. I was making really good money, but I was living on a thirty dollar a week allowance, and he was keeping all the rest of the money. And then um, he said he wanted me to move to another location, and I had all my belongings in my car. I was driving, and I fell asleep at the wheel, and rolled my car down this hill three and a half times from every from every direction. I I landed upside down with my feet in the back seat, face down on the ceiling, and the the seatbelt wrapped around me twice. And it was really a miracle that I was alive. And meanwhile, he had a he had a stack of, of tuxedo suits that, that were in the passenger seat that he had asked me to take to this other location. And those suits buffered my face. So, so I didn't get cut up too bad. And so when, you know, I got, they had to get the jaws of life to cut the door off and get me out of the, out of the car and take me to the hospital and stitch up my knee and everything. And then he came to pick me up and he and his wife said to me, you know, there's no way that you could have survived that accident without his powers. You know, his, his powers kept you safe and protected. So basically you owe your life to him now. 
And of course, if your children, they said also, if your children had been with you, then they would have been dead. So you don't really deserve to be a mother and you had your children too young. So the best thing you can do if you really love them is to let your mother raise them and just stay here and be a student. So from that point, it went really deep in. And so my, and I just felt a a sense of gratitude for being alive. So I just, you know, I believed it. So I just poured everything I was into into becoming um, a student and with the intention of becoming enlightened. And of course, having as much contact with my children as I could. And, you know, within about 14 months later, my children were back with me and they kind of went back and forth between my mother's home and, and my place. But it was yeah, a long, difficult path. And part of Part of that, part of the teachings were all about de- developing the yin mind, and the yin mind is is the kind of mind that accepts everything and doesn't resist anything. So you know he would test me in all these different kinds of ways to see whether I, w- I would resist that, and then that tested when he decided that he wanted to have a physical relationship with me, and basically it was. The only way to say what really happened was was being raped and still having a yin mind and accepting everything in order to be enlightened, which was a, a very, very grueling path, I can say, because at that point I was really, really living a, du- a double life. My family didn't really recognize who I was. I, I didn't have much contact with my family. I was working a lot, but I couldn't really be the person that I really was, I had to hide that. You know, people would say, oh, you know, you're young and lovely. You know, are you dating anybody? And I'd say, I'd say, no, no, I'm celibate. Which, you know, that was part of the teachings was to be celibate unless he needed a particular favor. And uh, then they'd say, oh, I, I, then they'd say, oh, well, I've got somebody and i, I got to introduce you to. And, of course, I wasn't allowed to have any other relationships. So I'd say, Oh, no, I have a relationship. Oh, well, who is it? We should have him over for dinner. And I'd say, oh, it's a, it's a long-distance relationship. <laughs> so I started, I, had, I was completely li- living a double life. I had these stories to try and protect my teacher from his teachings. And, of course, I'm wearing long sleeves, long sleeves because some of those intimate times involved, you know, being scratched and bitten and being black and blue and just learning how to be still and quiet. And in those really dark moments, to still find some way to be peaceful and to access something, some other realm other than this one. And, um, you know, there were a series of events, a series of events that uh, sort of awakened me to the idea that I didn't have to keep learning that way. And uh, after a while, I just, something happened. There was a moment. It was really interesting. This is about, you know, after about 12 years of this. And there were a lot of other things that took place too. But uh, my teacher's wife came to me and he said, she said, you know, I don't want you having a relationship with my husband anymore. And, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm really done with you. And it was so bizarre to me because, 
you know, I, I never wanted it to begin with. It was just sort of like me, you know, it was just sort of put upon me. And um, when she said that I could feel something energetically shifting where it there was like some kind of freedom took in and, and suddenly there was like this opening and I could feel a shift in the vibrational frequency. Like suddenly there was this, this break in his, in his, uh, sort of clutches around me. And I started giving myself permission to think about what kind of life I really wanted to have. And I just really wanted to have a normal everyday relationship. I just wanted to fall in love and I wanted to have more children and, and, um, that opening started taking place and it took me about two years to create that. And I, so I used to listen to all kinds of CDs and tapes on, you know, from Ram Das and Marianne Williamson and so forth. And I remember Marianne Williamson saying, well, if you could create the perfect relationship, what would it look like? And, and to be very specific and write down all these qualities. And I did that. And then she said, Rather than look for those qualities in somebody, start being the person that someone with those qualities would want to be with. And I realized, you know, I felt pretty disempowered. And even though I was getting some pretty powerful teachings, I felt pretty disempowered. So I just started, I started uh, working on that. And um, and then I, I met my current husband. And it was really kind of a miracle how that took place. But um, when I met him, I, I, you know, I said, you know, I, I want you to come and study with my teacher. And so he did. He came and he paid my teacher money and he, he studied with him for a couple of weeks and he was around for about a month. Of course, my teacher was going berserk, trying to break, you know, trying to scare him away because that meant him losing his control. But um, I, there was a certain point where this man that I was dating, who I'm now married to, he's, you know, he literally pinned me down on, on the ground, had his, his hands were holding my hands down. And he said, Angela, I need you to know that you're in a cult. You have got to get out of this. And I just said, you know, please don't say that. I just, I just can't bear the thoughts that I've given 17 years of my life to something that, that was completely pointless. And I said, you know, in, internally, I knew I needed to leave. I needed to branch out. And you know, you know, my fiance at the time, he said, he said, you know, you're. He says, I've studied with your teacher. He's got nothing. He's got no real qualities. He said, you're the one with the qualities. You're the one with the pure heart. You're the one that's connected to God and spirit. And it's, you know, it's time for you to go out into the world and make something of yourself and, and discover who you are. So, you know, many people had tried to get me out of this situation, but it was what really did it for me was he was the first person that came along and said, I'll do whatever crazy thing that it is that you're doing. I love you so much. I just want to be with you and I'm willing to pay any amount of money. I'm willing to go through anything to be with you. And because he was willing to do that, I was willing to leave. And I left and, you know, moved back, um, moved in with my mother and my, my, my then teenage children and, uh, and started over. We got married and 
I had two little boys with him. And then right after that, I went into massage school and then healing the light body school. And I just, my, I just started, it just, it was like a, a snowball rolling down a really steep mountain that I just started getting momentum. But what was really, what was really fascinating to me was that it was about three months after I left, I saw this um, HBO special. It was a 30 minute special about, about a guy that had been, he was an altar boy in the Catholic church. And of course he had been abused by his, by the, the priest. And, he said something about how certain people in power and position will use God to get what they want. They'll use God to sexually abuse people and to abuse people emotionally and financially as well. And all of a sudden I realized it just, I, it was like the swirling thing that happened inside of me. I just, I realized that my teacher had used God or, or the possibility of enlightenment to do anything that he wanted. So I realized that I was going to have to undo a whole lot of thinking. And so I started just unwinding every everything that I believed, everything that I had ever been taught my entire life, and all the way back to even, is there a God? And for a little while, I gave myself permission to say that, okay, what if there's not a God? And I'm going to live my life as though there's not a God. And of course, I look over my shoulder and you know, I wonder if I was going to get struck by lightning any second, you know. <laughs> and, and when I gave myself permission to to unwind every thought that I'd ever been given or had, every teaching that had ever been taught to me by anyone or anything, and to just stay in that place, it was just of emptiness. It was just absolutely exhilarating. And that was when I had my when I had my first experience of enlightenment, of just being in this state where I gave myself permission to say that maybe there's not a God. Maybe there's, maybe everything that I've ever been taught or believed is wrong. So the interesting thing was that after all that time, I did attain a certain level of enlightenment, but it was after I left. It was about three months after I left that I realized that. And of course, I was, you know, I was a, you know, he really saw me coming because where I was born, I was born in Colorado City, Arizona, which, you know, it's a border town of Hilldale, Utah. It's a polygamous community there. And for those of you who watched the news the last few years about Warren Jeffs, who is a polygamous leader who's in jail now, that was the town I was born into, which is very, you know, they, my parents were in arranged marriage and, you know, pretty much everything that happens there is arranged. And um, it's very, very patriarchal that the leaders of the church would have their vision about who was supposed to get married to who. So, so the idea of falling in love was just completely absurd. They dictated everything. And my family got kicked out when I was about six years old and then that's when my when my path um, started as far as reading and studying and learning when I was about seven or eight years old. But I realized because my formative years were spent in a community where where there's some man or there's some higher being that tells women and the rest of the you know, the rest of the people what to do, how to live, how to think, all of that, I was a prime candidate for that. 
And, you know, to tell you, it's what's been very interesting to me. You know, I have, I, uh, it was about 14, I was there 17 years and 14 years of it was, was, you know, the really intense mind control. Just about six weeks ago, after being away from there for 14 years, I saw my former teacher for the first time. And it was a really bizarre experience. I don't think he saw me, but I, I saw him and it was just a, it was really kind of an amazing experience of seeing how far I had come since that time. And I have to honestly say I don't regret it because it taught me so much. It taught me, you know, for example, I just wanted desperately to be with my children. I wanted to be a mother, but I couldn't physically be there with them. I was raising his nine children, but couldn't be near my own for part of that time. So I learned how to mother them energetically with my thoughts and photons in my heart and my mind to wrap, you know, just to wrap them in light and wrap them in love and let them know that even though I wasn't there with them, that I was energetically, that I was always with them. And I don't know if I would have ever been able to develop it, to, to, to develop that skill to that degree if I hadn't gone through that really difficult period of separation. Well, I was going to say that you, uh, when your guides told you that, okay, it's time for you to dive head first, uh, you took them at their word because you dove <laughs> right into the deep end, <clears throat> yeah. right to the opposite extreme. And uh, But there's that rubber band effect of the darker it is when you step back into the light, it's whoosh. <clears throat> but... Uh, I, I would. I have I would a million questions, <laughs> but 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 I was first, gonna say that we. Should... I just wanna. I wanna. No, this is important to me. Please, can you do me one small favor tonight and hug your husband for me, just because? I think he's an absolutely amazing man. Now we can take a break. Okay. <laughs> Very good. I was going to say, I, I thought it was probably a good time to uh, take our first break. Um, we'll give you a chance to breathe for a minute. Um, yeah. You're, getting, you're still getting that instant manifestation thing going, Jane. How do we start this show? Angela said, oh, I could listen for, I could listen a lot. And you said, well, I hope you can talk a lot, too. And uh, I'm not saying that you talk a lot, but uh, that's that's an amazing story. And I don't even have words for that. We're going to turn Jean loose with some of her million questions uh, after we take a little break and a breather. Um, do we do Aquarius again? Do we do hang music after uh, that? I'd do like to hear um, um, Earth Prayer, Earth please. Prayer I after need that, to... yeah. Yeah, I think definitely. that would be just exactly right. So this is going to be our dear friend Ina V with Earth Prayer, and I'll get her link up in the uh, chat room. Uh, after the break uh, because the Earth Prayer Project that's built around this song is a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. And uh, uh, just 
we were thrilled to have her and uh, as a guest, and she left us this uh, present. So we re-gift it to you. We'll be back in about five minutes. Stay with us, folks.
our mother's womb, to those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do, and we thank you for all your help us. Welcome back, everybody. That was our dear friend Ina V. At uh, you can find her at www.enavie.com. There is that better, Jane? What? Yes. Yes. Yes, I feel I feel better now. <laughs> the so oversensitive this... being that I am. Oh. Um, I don't know about oversensitive. Oh, wow. Just what a an, story. I don't even... In a highly contrasting world at the time, you know. Yeah. Just, so this, this you man, have so much This strength. man that's going to be uh, uh, getting the hug, would that be Mr. Mondato? Is that where you got the name? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Ah. Uh, because I was, I'm this word puller, a part of person, and you know, I was trying to see what kind of man Mr. Mandato was, and a Dato is a melee title, uh, like Malaysia and Brunei, and uh, it, it essentially is a, uh, it would be like a being a knight in England. It's a conferred once a year during the ruler's birthday celebration, and just like they do in England with the knights. So, so you, that's you actually kind of married man. your knight in shining armor. That's what kind of man this is. He's a knight. <laughs> yeah, he he's a he's a remarkable man. He's a really remarkable man. Married to a remarkably strong woman. Um, wow. And yet you're so peaceful. And this is, I guess, where my questions would have to begin is how do you get from going through an experience like that to being at peace with yourself and with the situation, with the experience and to embracing the truth because it's not an idea, it's a truth that everything does happen for a reason and that, um, that even an experience such as that can can promote vast amounts of internal growth. 
Oh, absolutely. It, 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 they're beautiful opportunities. And I, you know, I'm, I'm finally learning to, it took me a while, but I'm finally seeing those kinds of settings as opportunities. And of course, you know, it didn't end there, but, um, you know, I've still had plenty of challenges since then, but, but they've been mixed in with some other really, really profound, um, healing. And I, you know, I think, I think what has helped me to become a, a good healer and intuitive is that, you know, I, I got on this path of just finding my own healing first from all of that and through, through those experiences to have such a contrast of to be, of being in such a, a place of suffering to, to achieve certain states of bliss and joy that I just thought, oh my God, I, I have to share this with people. <laughs> so, so everything that I've that I've learned healing wise, um, you know, I just have wanted to share it with other people because it's been so. Cool. And I I know that as a soul, I, what I did is that I dived as deep as I possibly could dive into the dregs of the collective consciousness or unconsciousness. Um and to be able to live through it in order to take it into my body and into my own experience in order to diffuse and dissolve it. And one I've I've never heard anybody describe this this kind of technique and it's something that I just have developed on my own. But what I notice is if I'm in a if I'm in a situation, let's say I'm working with a client or I'm in a situation that's really painful where maybe somebody's screaming and yelling or there's something there's some kind of stress happening if I can get to a place where I can lay down I'll do that and otherwise I'll just sit really still and as I feel these vibrations swirling around me and through me I just notice them dissolving I just I do this um this sort of unwinding where I sort of where I dissolve the story that's happening in front of me or within me and I just feel myself moving into uh into a realm into another realm that's higher to where that that painful negative experience isn't happening. And my understanding of that is that when I do that it helps you know, any you know, what my teacher used to tell me, he, you know, he still had some really great wisdom thrown in there with all the toxicity. But he would say, the best thing that anybody can do is is to become enlightened because that's one less person that's that's adding, you know, karma and drama and trauma to to life. So if you can get enlightened or you know, be light, be lightened, be have your vibrational fr- frequency lightened, then it it works for it helps everyone. Much so less, that much less going into the collective consciousness. Right, right. So I just. I, it, you know, I, I kind of picture it something like, like if if someone were blowing cigarette smoke directly in your face, a whole bunch of it, and it was like really hard for you to breathe. Um, if you took that that one bit of cigarette smoke and you put it and let it just sort of diffuse through a room, then you could probably handle it. If it wasn't right there in your face, it was just sort of diffused in a room. And then if you took out the ceilings and the walls and let that that smoke just keep dissipating, after a little bit, it wouldn't really be there you wouldn't really you know it exists somewhere but it's in such small particles that you don't really even know that it's there 
and learning how to move energy. I've learned it's, that it's the same thing with matter. It's the same thing with emotions. It's the same thing with thoughts, feelings. All of that can be diffused just like smoke can. And if I can use my own body, my own experience, my own emotions, my own mind, my own awareness to diffuse and and dissolve the stories, then um, certainly I'll be happier and hopefully other people are too. And I get reports from people that sometimes when I'm giving a massage and I've given... I I like to give really long massages. I was never really good at keeping it at a time schedule anyway, so I started realizing I may as well capitalize on my gifts, and I've given sometimes seven- or eight-hour massages. But even in a two- or three-hour period of time, if I'm touching somebody and I'm bringing in light in through my fingertips and my hands and I'm just dissolving the story, whatever the story is that's living in their body, where it's a- whether it's aches and pains in a physical way or emotions or any of that, I'm dissolving my own and I'm dissolving theirs at the same time. Sometimes I've had people report to me afterwards that they went somewhere that they've never been to and they just feel themselves, they just feel like really light and joyful and happy and they and they don't really have any story left. So whether I'm touching somebody or just aware of something, but that's, you know, when you ask what it is that I do, whether I'm working with somebody and getting paid or not, it's happening whether there's um whether there's a a, um, a session or not i notice that happening more and more and people people report back to me like if i have an intention about something uh, a wrong that needs to be righted and i sort of go in there with them and just dissolve it i i find it happening and i don't know if i could have ever developed skills like that if I hadn't gone through something really difficult. I had to go into this collective and, and dissolve, you know, to, to really experience what it's like to, be, to, to have no freedom, to have my mind controlled, my body, everything, every detail in my body was controlled and my experience was controlled. So when somebody comes to me that they've gotten, they think, well, you know, nobody could possibly understand what it is I'm going through. Well, <laughs> you know, they can feel pretty safe and not going to be judged. <laughs> and um, you know, another interesting thing that's happened for me that I didn't that I I've sort of discovered. I've had some clients that have had um, multiple personalities, or what was diagnosed as dissociative personality disorder. And so I would, you know, I'd go into this these situations and it's happened with a few different people but I would you know I dissolve any story or any thought that I might have about myself and about the other person and just go in there and what I would find for example was that there weren't uh, there weren't multiple personalities there were multiple beings and that there were these these beings that were angelic and that they were pure light but they got stuck and so I would do specific healing work with each one of them and help them. Just I'd find where they came from. I'd, I'd go to the realm where they originated, and I'd sort of shine a light there and help them find where their home was. And then they would just leave that body, and then the person would have one less personality. But I'd do the healing work with, with, with that soul first before I'd take them home. 
See, so, now, that, for me, that, that makes so much more sense than the medical and scientific description of what a multiple personality is and what causes it. Yeah. That, to me, is way more, and it's going to shock people to hear the word used, but way more logical. Yeah. To me, it's not logical to go through a traumatic experience and close off a piece of your mind because the whole point to living life in physicality is to go through a series of experiences. So why would we close that down? That doesn't make sense. Right. So, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've discovered all kinds of things that were, you know, have thought to be true by general population by, by going into it with having no story or no judgment or no thought that anything wrong ever took place. I had to do that for myself first. I had to see that nothing bad ever happened. Nothing happened. I just, I chose this experience. I chose a masterful teacher who obviously is somebody I must have loved and who must have really loved me in order to assist me in that way. And and reaching that conclusion for myself gave me the ability to reach that for other people, even though they couldn't, like someone who had been, you know, uh, abused really badly. And um, going in and having no story or no judgment, no thought of what the truth was, just emptying out and showing up and seeing what was there. And I was just, I was so thrilled to see that it was just this, these divine angelic beings who came in when a person was going through a really bad trauma and they just, they came in to that person's body to take the hit. So, because there's certain things that no one human could handle their whole time. And so other beings will come in and take that hit for them and then just sort of get locked in there and then just wait for their turn for their, they can go home. But the body doesn't have to die for that to take place. Those souls can be released any time. And would be pleased about it. Yeah. So on the on the who who the hell are you and what do you do? You you transmute energy. Yeah. Which is what I believe we all do. Yeah. And uh, uh is I don't know if you've ever heard of the book entitled ET 101. No, I haven't. Oh, it's um, hilarious. It, well, and you've just, behind the hilarious, you've just told the story that the book tells. Oh, cool. That you, that you had to come here, you had to completely forget, you had to get completely lost, and then you had to transmute that energy because that's what you do. Right. You transmute, you transmute the energy of... Uh, what do they call it? Dysfunctional patterns. Dysfunctional yeah. systems. Anything that is not love, anything that is not higher truth, you know, just basically dissolve that. But, you know, coming yeah. here coming here to, to create these stories, like I figure if I could forgive that, then, you know, what else could I do? <laughs> so. And that's, I'm, now, see, that's that's the question that I want to ask you because, I mean, we've all been through our stuff and some of us obviously more than others, but one of the big things that people struggle with, um, myself included, is is forgiveness. 
forgiveness of the people who injure us and forgiveness for ourselves for allowing that injury to occur. So, you know, how did you get there? Because this is not a, a small hurt that was done. Yeah. Um, well, it, it goes it goes way beyond forgiveness of self and forgiveness of others. That's a great place to start. But there's still the implication there that there's um, that that something happened that wasn't good, and when we realize that as empowered beings that we as very 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 enlightened souls we chose very carefully very specifically all the people in our life to support us and lift us up through sometimes holding us down. Um, long enough for us to discover who we really are. What an agreement, what a contract that person must have had with us. And I I don't say it as often perhaps as I should because I get concerned that some people will take it wrong. But who, since we do all of that, which I agree, we do. We, we choose all of the people in our, the major, major characters in our life, even the little characters. Um... Who would you trust to harm you, quote unquote, harm you in such a dramatic fashion, but one that you loved and trusted? Yeah. I, I have often said it, when people is, wish for their soulmate, is be careful what you're wishing for, because you have soulmates that you have contracts that they're going to help you around something, but it's not necessarily going to seem fun at the moment, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is so true when you talk to people who've gone through experiences like that. Um, one of the commonalities in those stories is always, but I had this intense connection with that person. Mm-hmm. I felt that it was safe to trust that person. Yeah. That is exactly what I felt. And, of course, years into it, there was a, a good year or two where I was totally suicidal. I was, you know, I was. I had it down. I was. I had a life insurance policy. I was checking to see if there was a, a clause for suicide, and if there was, I was going to have to make sure it looked accidental. I mean, I had the whole thing mapped out in my head uh, before some some switch happened where um, I decided maybe that wasn't the best route. Maybe there was another route. And thank God, <laughs> thank God, whatever it was that happened happened. You know. But, you know, I... So? Well, because, well, because, because we, could, we could dwell on this well, experience could, for a long time, but in order shows. to honor the value behind the experience, I want to know more about what you're doing now. I was um, going to say, it um, might what, be perfect time to take a second break because it's about time to hear about tours okay. and healing and... I'd, I'd love to talk about that. The the good stuffs. It's all good <laughs> There's stuff. There's lots of it. There's a lot more good than there is negative. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay. So we'll take a brief break and uh, uh, let's see, let's see. I don't know about Aquarius. It's got the thing on the front. We just want a brief break. Uh oh. And Gene's having a brief break technologically up there. 
I hope she comes back quickly. I'm going to play some uh, hang music. Uh, our, our good friend David Swarup. Uh, and this is uh, Urban Mist. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay with us, folks.
All right, welcome back, everybody. That was our friend David Swarup on the hang. Beautiful instrument. Absolutely stunning. Absolutely stunning. It's my favorite instrument. That's so perfect. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, we had David on the show, and uh, he, he, it was the middle of the night. in Where was he? In Germany, I think, at the time? I think it was, yeah. I think yeah. it was Germany. And he's sitting there in the middle of the night playing his hang for us over the... He'd talk for a little bit, and then he'd go, can I just play? (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. So, tell us about uh, body work, spiritual work. How How about this? You've got a big trip coming up in January, don't you? Yes, I I take groups of people to Peru, and uh, I work with the former head archaeologist of Machu Picchu, who's an amazing, very, very gifted healer, and he's very uh, connected with with all the other healers there in Peru. So I've had some really powerful experiences there, and so part of, you know, part of my awareness is is, um, that taking people to certain sacred sites and giving them the opportunity to do ceremony and um, feel certain vibrational frequencies uh, is is really powerful for assisting people to go back to their own original self. <coughs> of course, um, I also work with plant medicine there. Um, there's two two medicines that I work with is ayahuasca, which is a brew that includes chacruna leaf, which is a vision plant. It's a the ayahuasca brew is made with both of those. And then I also work with San Pedro, which is a cactus and a um, cousin to peyote. And the really funny thing about this is that I've been anti-drug my whole life. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it's really hysterical. I, I, I remember being in high school and my, my dad making some reference towards, you know, people who got high and, uh, I, I remember thinking, well, I want my father's love, so I'm going to make sure that I never do that, and I'm never around anybody who does. But um, these medicines are just—they're—they're they're just pure medicine. They're just pure bliss. Well, it's—it's it's a bit well, of a now, different bit of a different story than some of the horsing around. Uh, although, you know, I don't—I'm not going to express an opinion on horsing around one way or the other either. But we—we uh, we had Mitch Schultz uh, on that. Uh, uh, directed the DMT, the spirit molecule. So we had a lot of fun. Fantastic! With I love that. That's, that's yeah, fun. I was just actually going to ask if you would be willing. I'm going to do it on air because that you know usually helps me get a yes. <laughs> but no pressure. Wow. Um, we've actually wanting. We've actually been wanting to bring on somebody who does work with it hands on because yes, Mitch directed the film, but he he doesn't actually work with um ayahuasca so i was wondering yeah he's on the teacher i was wondering if you'd be willing to come back with us and do a show about ayahuasca and um the purposes for it and the reasons for the rituals because we continue to both encourage people to keep an open mind with regards to that particular issue but to also be aware that it's it's imperative that they do it with the right in the right environment and 
with the right people around them so that they are in a safe environment and so that they're guard, guided through the process. Absolutely. First off, yes, I, it's, I love talking about this subject almost more than anything else in the world because that's, it's in those settings that I've had the most powerful uh, enlightenment kind of, kinds of experiences ever. I've experienced shape-shifting. I've spoken to my spirit guides. I've spoken to my, my unborn child. I've had just absolutely profound, life-changing, health-changing experiences, and I wish we had two hours to talk about it now because it's it's um, it's been absolutely just absolutely life-changing. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you back on so that we can dedicate you know ninety minutes to that topic because it. It really does need to be discussed openly and in depth, in, yeah. and I would love to do it. One we don't I'd love to. We don't want to come across and scare anybody. We just always like to make the point that, you know, there were wisdom keepers and uh, traditions and rituals and things for a reason, and uh, and there's even modern reasons. There's there could be interactions if you're on certain kinds of medications. There's. Uh, uh, Mitch talked about the the fellow that he has worked with, uh, and uh, was it in Peru, Jane? I can't remember where. Ecuador? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember. Was, um... But um, would sometimes have people down there for two weeks ahead of time because he would make them hike with him and do stuff and. He, he like wanted to to know the um, some personally, but also you know it was like he said it was almost like a fitness test or <laughs> to make sure you were up to the experience because they can be very profound. Yeah, absolutely. And there there are a couple of really important factors that it's uh, that I'd like to point out. First off, uh, what my teacher there in Peru talks about is that. You know, it is possible to have those experiences in the United States, and I know of uh, certain ceremonies in Hawaii too. But of course, it's of course it's illegal, so you run a huge risk doing it that way. But more importantly, is that it's it's out of respect to the plant that you go to where the plant, you go to the plant, you don't bring the plant to you. And so he will say that anybody who's a really good teacher pretty much demands that you go to that location. It's basically kind of like if you're climbing the Himalayas to meet your guru, that you do that for the plant. You know, on, on that topic too, regarding the um, the kundalini energy of Mother Earth, it used to be centered in the Himalayas. And so when people would go, go there to find their guru, they'd have, you know, enlightenment experiences just by going there. Well, that that kundalini energy has has moved from the Himalayas to to India, and then it's kind of slithered across, you know, across the globe, and is now centered in Peru. Going to Machu Picchu, going to into the jungle in in Peru, is something really profound. It's absolutely undeniable that that kundalini energy rests there. So something gets awakened just by going there, whether you work with a good teacher or not. But if you're going to do plant medicine, you really want to know that you want to make sure that you're working with the best, somebody who's really, really reputable, because 
shamanism is like the big thing in Peru. So, you know, people say all the time they put out a shingle saying that they're a shaman. And, you know, there have been some negative things happen because people weren't working with reputable healers. So, you know, I've been I've been very very blessed that the ones that I've that I've worked with are just absolutely amazing. This our guide and healer who's been doing this for 40 years. You know, he said he's worked with oh gosh, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens of ayahuasqueros and the one that that we work with now, he said is just absolutely the best. He's just pure. You look into your, into his eyes and it's like you're looking into the universe. He just has such a pure soul about him. And it's a combination of the two of them working together and then there's other assistants there that makes such a big difference. And then this guide is also the he's also the the one that makes the San Pedro medicine, which is the the ayahuasca is, is very feminine and wild and powerful and the San Pedro is very masculine but it's more gentle. So there's no you know, people rarely ever have any kind of um, nausea associated with that. It's more about releasing emotions. But the main thing that my mentor there talks about is that everything in our life is for releasing everything, whether it's positive or negative. You know, if you if you if you drink water, you have to pee. If you eat, you know, you, you have to release everything, everything that comes into your life. So he talks about, you know, we'll be doing a trip. I don't have the date for this yet, but we'll be doing a trip where we go there for 10 days and there's going to be six ceremonies, three, you know, ceremony for three nights in a row, then a rest night and then three more. And and that's kind of an unusual setting, but he's, he, he jokes about this. He says, I mean, it's true, but he says, you know, you'll, you'll release your mother's breast milk from when you were a baby. <laughs> you know, like, Yeah. By the time you're done there, you're you. Yeah, that's got to be that, that's got to be incredibly profound. I'd and, give an eye tooth to go on that trip. Oh, I, no, would, I, I would. I would too. I would too. As far as allies and teachers, you know, there's I've never found anything so powerful as a as as a plant teacher because the plant teacher has no agenda. You know, so many other teachers they have an agenda of fame or money or. You know, their ego, usually it's their ego. But a plant has no ego. It's just there to support you. And in my first ayahuasca experience where I, it felt like I was swallowing the universe and I turned inside out and I couldn't tell the difference between where my body ended and all of life began. I felt every, all of life moving through me. And the plants lit up, the flowers lit up, and they would all talk to me and they would tell me, you know, I know how to heal cancer and I know how to heal bones and the two of us work together. So, you know, one plant teacher will introduce you to the entire jungle and, you know, give me, you know, gave me perspective on relationships that were heartbreaking and disappointing. And it would just, it would just tell me the truth about everything, but it would tell me the truth on many different layers. It would it would help me to see like one relationship I had that was painful a long time ago. That person's face came and it showed that he was just sort of playing hide and go seek with his own soul, and so he couldn't be present in a human form. And another person who was really unkind to me, it would show how even she, even that one brief inter- interaction of her being unkind to me, that she was teaching me and. The main thing that she was teaching me was how not to be. But 
it showed me how she was willing to sort of lower herself into that frequency of being unkind in order that I might learn that I might become a better person. So, yes, it's it's a profound love and 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 a profound relationship. Uh, even the people that do you quote unquote wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would uh, also point out to folks, since I mentioned it, the movie DMT, the Spirit Molecule. Uh, Bashar, in particular, who is one of the channels that I trust, uh, my own uh, inner discernment. Uh, was speaking about DMT, was being asked about DMT, and he was talking about, yes, it's naturally produced in the pineal gland, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the person said, and so ayahuasca, and in a rather loud, forceful voice, Bashar interrupted him and said, no, ayahuasca is something different. It is for a very specific kind of teaching, and it's very different. And then wouldn't talk about the ayahuasca. Would tell him, would talk about DMT, but not... And, and and it's my understanding that ayahuasca has DMT in it, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I just wanted to point out to people, you know, we're going to say again, do your own homework and use your own discernment, um, but there's a spot you could start your homework with is DMT and the experience that this doctor that Mitch was talking about that was giving people, he was shooting it in their veins, they were blasting like rockets out of the top of their heads and things, is different and would be for different purposes, uh, according to Bashar. So um, he was pretty specific um, that ayahuasca is for a a specific kind of teaching and needs a specific kind of teacher. So... Mm-hmm. Along the um, vein of, of mainstream media, um, a gentleman I have a great deal of respect for who, who does work um, in the mainstream scientific realm, Dr. David Suzuki did an absolutely stunning um, documentary on ayahuasca. Um, so that's out there as well. You can always um, search that, Dr. David Suzuki and ayahuasca, if, right. if you're looking for some very truthful information and stay tuned for the upcoming show with Angela who I'm sure is going to open our eyes to the possibilities I've seen that video by David Suzuki it's beautiful it's very well done and very accurate I was so impressed it was um, I saw it two weeks after I saw the DMT and we had him on the show and I was just I was just so excited to see it on TV. Suzuki, Suzuki's the man. He he really I, I like, is. I like most of what he does. He, he really yeah. is. But yeah, you so, can find some well, great stuff from Graham Ham, Hancock on the uh, on the thing too, and yeah, his his theory about cave paintings that are separated by thousands of miles and sometimes thousands of years that seem to be cave paintings of the same thing. He said, I don't think they were drawing the animals they were hunting, uh, maybe out here in the front end, but these weird drawings in the back that everything seems to have in common. He said, "He said I think that their shaman were, you know, using these uh, substances like ayahuasca in the proper way, and they were going to another realm, and they were going to the same other realm, and so they came back and tried to draw pictures of it. And... Uh, well, what I one thing I discovered too is whoever came whoever came up with constellations, um, 
had to be doing some kind of plant medicine along those lines also because that's one of the things that I saw when I was looking up into the stars. I saw the constellations. You know, if we see the drawings here and all the names, some sometimes they don't really make sense. But when I was looking into the stars, they were it was like each of the stars were like a cell of the but there was a glow around all the constellation forms. Like the the stars would talk to me as well. So it, this is this is thousands and thousands of years of of uh, experience and education that that it's been around forever, yes, around for so long, and it's just it's it's really it's you can it you know I've heard one ayahuasca say it was it's it's his entire university it teaches biology chemistry psychology relationships astronomy astrology. History, everything, <laughs> anything that you want to know, can be can be taught through these plant medicines. Because one of the things that it does is it helps us get past our own mind and our own ego, and and to where it's stored within us. It's all all the information that's ever existed in the entire universe is stored within our own DNA, and that plant medicine is the is the direct route to go into that file to get that information that's already stored within us. But we have so many ridiculous stories and untruths that have been taught to us, it's hard to access that on our own. Now, one thing I want to say, too, about the trips that I take is that people are not required to take the medicine. They So people go have an amazing, amazing experience learning about vibrational frequency and archaeology and history and healing of all different kinds, sound healing and all kinds of experiences. And they don't have to take the medicine um, in fact, my sister and one other person on this, um, I was there in June with 32 people, and my sister is pregnant. She's due to have her baby in about a month, and another person was pregnant also. So they were still part of the ceremony, but what, what they did is they just uh, put a little drop of the medicine on their on their third eye and their heart and their wrists, and that was enough to give them a full experience. They And so my sister was able to tune into her baby, you know, that's still not born yet and she asked the child you know she asked her baby you know what is what is your gift to me what what are you what are you coming here to teach me and the baby told her i didn't come to teach you anything i came here to gift you i came to bring you the gift of motherhood and she said what are you here to teach my husband and she said and the baby said i came here to show him how much love he has within him because he doesn't know and he won't know until he meets me. And when he meets me, he'll know what his capacity for love is and it'll change his world. So, you know, even a pregnant person can go and just be there in that energy, hearing the rattling and hearing the, the sounds. It's the songs that are, you know, when you take this medicine, the shamans, the healers, the Pacos are what the name that they use there. They sing to you for like four or five hours. They mm-hmm. sing and rattle and spritz, and there it's like you feel like you're you're being held by Mother Earth, and the entire jungle is holding you and just loving you, and it feels like you're you're back in the arms of nature, and you're safe. It's the it's the I've never felt more safe in my life than being in those kinds of experiences. Because it 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 took me back to my original home. It took me back to what I remembered 
from when I was a baby. That's when I felt the most safe, the most held, because I had access to the expanded me, the the soul that the part of me that was never born. That you know, if you think you know, only in a human body do we experience pain. When you have access to your higher self and your expanded self and your soul, there's no there's no suffering, there's no pain. You know that you're totally safe no matter what happens. And what a profound experience that is. What a profound gift. Indeed. Uh, and it's it's in us, people. Like she said, it's in us. Uh, you know, you uh, was it Jill Bolte Taylor that had the stroke? Oh, she's wonderful. Yeah, and you don't she have to talks take about to during, <laughs> she talks about during the experience that suddenly she looked and her arm and the wall were made out of the same stuff, and then she couldn't find she could barely find the the difference. She just was she in the wall and every. And then, whoosh, it, much like you d- described about being connected to, you know, everything. And um, so it's in us. It's not, uh, you know, scary, spooky do uh, Halloween show. Right. You know. No. One uh, of the, one of the things that I experienced there was shape shifting too, but I didn't have any intention of doing that. I literally had a the spirit of a jaguar pounce on me. And become me and sort of take over for me and show me, you know, like being a guest in the jungle and seeing, being shown how animals, how ants function together and how all different kinds, you know, like birds fly together and how bees function together, all all these different creatures because they're, they're at one with nature. And then the jaguar jumped out of me and left me. And I didn't have any, you know, my, my medicine name that my Lakota teacher gave me was, is, um, Jaguar's child, and you know I. And then when the jaguar pounced on me, and later in the jungle, from different teachers, there were all these correlations with all the teachers that I had studied with, which are numerous. They all these patterns started showing up, and I started discovering a lot more about myself. But there was no intention; I just showed up and let go of my story, and then something magic happened. Magic happens. Yeah. That would be a good bumper sticker. <laughs> yeah. Magic happens. So I, I wanted to just briefly mention, you, you asked about the body work before, too. Um, one of the ways that I help facilitate this kind of experience is through, um, you know, sometimes I'll have a person come and spend like a week or five days, three days, something like that. And we do all different kinds, I take them through all different kinds of experiences that are not plant medicine based, that are, you know, energetic and shamanic and body work and all of that. Sometimes massaging for hours and hours. Sometimes I bring in other massage therapists. So I'll have like maybe four of us working on one person for three or four or five hours. And it's amazing what will be released by just having nurturing by just holding a space, holding a person in a, in a in a place of nurturing and emptiness so that they can just release and let go through their body and through their mind and through their heart and so whatever way whatever whatever people feel drawn to do whether it's having a personal experience you know with body work or or having an adventure you know in another country 
I'll I'll eventually be going to Bhutan in the next year or so and a few other locations as well. But right now my main focus is Peru. And I have two I have two trips coming up. I have one in January, January fifth through the nineteenth, and another one July fourteenth to the twenty eighth of twenty thirteen. And you can learn more about those trips at spiritquesttours.com. And my website is resonatingmiracles.com. And you can also get there through just my name, Angela Mandato. Angela Mandato.com. I'm glad you mentioned those out loud uh, because I'll take just a moment. uh, We're we're running over just a bit. Glad everybody's staying with us. Bill showed up here at the end. Welcome, Bill. Love you. And... um, (laughs) But also our love to our podcast listeners for your many, your legion. Yes. Not quite legion yet, but 1,200 a week of you out there. And uh, so if that's 600 of you listening, whatever, uh, we love each and every one of you. And if, if you don't mind, I'd love to just share one other thing, too, for our listeners, whether you're listening right now or listening later. Um, my intention even before starting this was to pass a lot of blessings and to just assist you all in unwinding and dissolving whatever is there in your life and opening up space for magic and miracles. And I look forward to the, the conversation about the ayahuasca because that was given this formula of how to resonate miracles. And I'll just say the steps very briefly. Number one is to let go of fear. All fear. Number two is to be in Aini or right relationship with all of life. So if there's someone who's you are out of right relationship with, if you can bring harmony to that relationship, even if it's in your own heart, that's that's enough to start with. And then make every decision from a place of love. If you can get yourself into a, a vibrational state where you really feel love and joy and inspiration, you absolutely cannot make a mistake. And if you make a decision out of fear, it's quite likely that you will. But even then, release that mistake too. We have to release the last mistake so we can be ready for the next one. That's right. But I just wanted to let you know that that's something that I that I am doing. I'm uh, consciously aware of that as we're talking. That's wonderful. And, and whether you're listening live now or listening to the recording, intentions are energetic uh, and over there, out there, the rest of us, the bigger part of us, doesn't have watches, <laughs> and they don't have. They, I know kids don't wear watches anymore. They don't have cell phones either, so they don't know. They don't have time. Little ticker talk things. They don't have that. I've never been able to. I've never quite been able to get that whole time thing down. That's why I just gave it up. You know, I just said, well, it, it escapes me a little from time oh. to time. Well, it's because our gifts are being able to step outside of time. You know, it's within time that all damage takes place. All the karma, all the drama, all the trauma happens within time. And if you can step outside of time, then those experiences don't exist. So I guess we're doing that. Stepping outside of time. I want to thank you so much for and, having me as Well, and thank you so much for coming and spending time with us and for agreeing to come back and talk about plant medicine. Um, I love to refer to it that way because it at least makes it sound medicine. 
It's medicine, people. Don't. It really you, is. You don't. You don't fool around with it. Don't. You know. Oh yeah, I did some. Uh, yeah, this guy told me how, and I'm gonna. I got the recipe off the internet. Just don't go there. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. By the way, don't, I was. Just don't I was go with, there. <laughs> I was with my mentor, and we did a search on how to prepare a certain medicine, and we we watched all the YouTube videos, and he just sat there and laughed. He said, "Every one of these are wrong." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, it 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 there is a place for tradition. There mm-hmm. is a place for ritual, uh, and, and we 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 miss that sometimes. I think in this whole new ag, we're gonna. I'm a non physical being, you know, so I don't need any of that physical stuff. Yeah, okay. They're permission slips. They're whatever you want to call them, but they're important. And permission slips can be quite powerful. So uh, it's not to necessarily ignore them. What is it they say in the public service announcements, Gene? Ignore this such your peril. Of course, <laughs> no such thing as peril, but but really, just just don't go there with the little YouTube videos, okay? It's a it's a a tradition that's thousands and tens of thousands of years, I believe hundreds of thousands of years old. So, um, you know, when you find a really good teacher, as Angela has, they've got thousands of years of wisdom that they just brought with them. Anyway, we do need to wrap up. Shame, shame. Um, oh, that was partner saying dogs, dogs are going crazy. So she's on mute. She can't talk to us right now. But... Um, so I'll, again, say thank you to everybody for joining us. Um, calendar, what are we doing? Uh, uh, I, I wanted to also mention that people can, if if people have specific questions, they can also email me and write to me directly, and I'll be happy to answer questions. It's um, AngelaMandato at Yahoo.com. It's uh, A-N-G-E-L-A-M-A-N-D-A-T-O at Yahoo. That's wonderful. Because and thank you again. So much. It's been such a delight being on your show. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you. Looking forward to chatting again. Uh, I know Jean is too. She just, I like the dog, the dogs as long as they're not totally crazy. But yeah, but there's somebody coming into the house, so they were going ballistic. Going totally crazy. Yeah. So yeah. Tuesday we have Diane <laughs> Shelton coming, and then Jerry Hearn is coming on Thursday cool. next. Uh, to talk about her program, she'll that's third appearance. Yeah, Diane Shelton is a friend of mine. Also, she's wonderful. You love that show. Yeah, don't any of you guys, you know, uh, be careful what you wish for, because we had Elise Fee on the show, and she said, "Man, I had so much fun. I have <laughs> friends that would be great guests for you." And we're like, "Just tell them you had fun." And. <laughs> So we have Diane Shelton coming, and um, uh, let's see who else is. We had another one, I think, that I'm still oh, emailing back and forth with. And then on election night, we have, uh, in, in the States anyway, November 6th, we have an author, Patriots of Mars. It's going to be something slightly different, but book's going up for free for like some days right after the election, and that's going to be a lot of fun too. So you all join us again. Have a lovely weekend, and until then, stay connected. Night, everybody.
We hope you'll join us again next time. Until then, visit our website at everydayconnection.me. And please like our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection. Think you might miss an episode? No problem. Subscribe to our show on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection. question of your life the only question before that question how do you find the perfect ring to ask it with with the incredible selection of diamonds at jared and our price match guarantee you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love visit your local jared store today and dare to be devoted we promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer see jared.com slash price match for details So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.